Hello everyone and thank you for checking out this episode of Hardball Sports Talk brought to you by Hardball Sports Media. My name is Brandon and we have a very exciting show for you today. We have several things that uh, happened since the last time we spoke on Friday and when I was preparing for this episode, I'm recording this about 5 o'clock on Monday evening. I didn't want to do it last night, uh, the Rams 49ers game which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, I didn't get done till a little around 10 o'clock, around that area. And I'd be up at 6 a.m. to work. Uh, I'd be at work by 7, had to get up at 6 for that. And I'm like, you know, I really don't want to spend the next hour of my life uh, not sleeping and preparing for this. Uh, so I hope you guys understand. I got off today at 3, uh, and I started working on the podcast episode right away, uh, just doing notes and stuff like that. And there's so much here to talk about today that the notes took me two hours to do, Uh there was some computer issues with that. Hopefully we don't have any with the podcast recording. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of stuff going on in sports right now. Uh, and we talked about it a little bit on the Facebook page. Uh, shameless plug here. Links for that in the description. Uh, be sure to follow if you haven't yet. Uh, so when I decided, how am I going to do this? Because there's like four, five, six stories that I really want to cover how in the world am I going to cover this all, and in what order? And what I decided to do was I'm going to record this or uh, do this in the order that it happened. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the news that we talked we had on the Facebook page on Friday, and then we'll go through Saturday, and then Sunday, and then finally we'll go through the Red Wings stuff because today is Monday, and we do talk about the Detroit Red Wings today, too. Uh, lots of football stuff to talk about and the Red Wings. So, let's get started. Uh, like I said, Friday is when this all started. Uh, the New York football giants hired Bills offense coordinator Brian Dable as their next head coach. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I know there's a couple more hires being made. Uh, the Jaguars, I believe, and the Texans and the Saints. I and the Dolphins, I believe, oh, and the Vikings, uh, are still looking for head coaches. Uh, but so far, this is my favorite hire. Uh, obviously, time will tell on all these hires, on who's panned out, who didn't, and maybe none of these pan out, maybe they all do. Uh, historically speaking, I'm going to say they're not all going to work out. Uh, but on paper, this is my favorite hire. And here's why. Brian Dable, really good offensive coordinator, Really gets the best out of his players. Uh, he's been with the Bills since 2018, uh, which was Josh Allen's rookie year. Uh, so I took a look at Josh Allen's stats, and I don't have them in front of me. I didn't put them in my notes. Uh, but year one, Josh Allen uh, struggled a little bit, which understandably, uh, coming from a small school like Wyoming, uh, first-round draft pick. Uh, personally, I didn't have a whole lot of high expectations for him coming out of college. Uh, I figured if he would pan out, it would take a couple years, and that's what's happened. But if you look at him, every year uh, he's gotten a little bit better. Uh, for example, his rookie year, like I said, wasn't that good. His second year, numbers went up a little bit. Third year, he took a major step, and his fourth year and his third year are pretty much interchangeable uh, in numbers, which that's good. Uh, he threw in the 30s, high 30s for touchdowns, uh, stole Really good touchdown throwing here for Josh Allen. And I, say, I will say this, uh, with a quarterback, or any position really, 
Uh, the player development, uh, coaches can only do so much. Uh, it's got to be on the players, too, to actually care enough to work hard, stay late for practice, practice watch the film, uh, work in the offseason. And by all accounts, I believe that Josh Allen has done this stuff. So, you know, Josh is doing the right things, too. Uh, but Brian Dable also deserves some credit here. Uh, and he's done wonders with Josh Allen. Uh, he's developed him really well. Uh, this is a huge hire for the Giants and honestly a big blow for the Bills. Uh, I don't think that Josh Allen will become a terrible quarterback. No, I'm not saying that. But their offense will be different, and it'll be interesting to see how Josh Allen and the rest of the Bills offense responds to this. I personally believe that Josh Allen will be just fine. Uh, he might not be as uh, dominant as he was this year. But even just looking at the playoffs, Josh Allen went toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes right now is one of the best young quarterbacks, if not the best young quarterback in the NFL right now. Uh, so this is a huge hire for the, the Giants. Uh, this shows me that they're willing to try to make things work with Daniel Jones. Um couple things i watched a little bit of the uh introductory press conference while i was preparing this episode uh partially why it took two hours to do because i was watching these press conferences for a couple of these guys i watched a little bit of this one and nathaniel hackett uh for the broncos uh but dable said that he came in to the office to sign this contract and stuff and he ran into daniel jones and that speaks wonders that Daniel Jones is in the facility, wants to meet the coach, wants to get started right away. Uh, so maybe Daniel Jones will pan out. Uh, hopefully he does for the Giants fans' sakes. Uh, Giants, when when they're good, it's good for football. There's just some teams in sports that when they're good, it's good for that sport. Uh, it doesn't matter if, really if we like that team or not. Uh, that sport just does better uh, ratings-wise. Uh, for football, it's the Cowboys, it's the Giants, it's basically the NFC East. If the NFC East is doing good, football's in a good place. Football's always in a good place, don't get me wrong. For baseball, it's like the Yankees, the Red Sox, uh, big the Dodgers, big market teams like that. If they're doing good, the sport's in good shape. Uh, for basketball, it's like the Lakers, the Celtics, uh, to an extent the Knicks, uh, not as much though as the Celtics and Lakers. And then finally, hockey. I believe it's the original six teams, uh, which are the Canadians, the Bruins, the Rangers, the Blackhawks, the Maple Leafs, and the Red Wings. Uh, when those teams are doing good, hockey's in good shape uh, for their fans. Uh, so so hopefully uh, Dable can turn the Giants around. Like I said, he's my favorite uh, coach hire of this cycle to this point. Uh, and while I was preparing this episode, like I said, I was watching his press conference and the first question that was asked was something along the lines of, what's your offensive philosophy? And I'm going to read for you what exactly what he said. It's dependent upon the players. Each place I've been, especially the last four with Buffalo, we built our offense around Josh Allen. Uh, he basically said, I don't have a philosophy per se. It's if I have a team that's going to run the ball, this is me paraphrasing what he's saying here. If I have a team that's built to run the ball, we're going to run the ball. If I have a quarterback that can throw the ball around the field, we're going to throw the ball around the field. Uh, and that's the way to do this. Um, 
A lot of coaches get stuck in their way of, well, this is how I've always done it, and this is how I'll always do it. And that's not how you coach sports. you got to coach sports around the team that you have. Now, when you're getting into the college and professional ranks, you can recruit and sign players that fit your scheme. Uh, but what Dable's doing is he's saying, listen, I want good players, and we'll make it work around them. And I, I respect that. Uh, so the next thing here is on Saturday, uh, there's reports that Tom Brady has retired from the NFL. Uh, and since these reports have come out, Tom Brady and his camp has denied this. Uh, I believe that he's done. I believe that he will officially retire here in the next month or so. Uh, here, I do have thoughts on what happened, and I'm not going to get into my opinion on this. Uh, one thing that I I do give my opinion, but I don't speculate too much on this uh, because I don't want to say, well, here's what happened, uh, and that not even be close to what the case is. Uh, but I do have some opinions on what's going on here, um, and I, but I do believe that Tom Brady will retire uh, in the next month or so, uh, officially. Uh, and I've seen a lot of hate on social media, not like bad hate, but like a hard time given to Adam Schefter. Adam Schefter did his job. And I know that a lot of people are like, well, his job is to get the story right. Uh, yeah, kind of. And he probably got it right. Um, he probably does have sources that are close to Tom Brady that said, Hey, Tom told me he's retiring. That's probably what happened. Again, speculation there. But, I mean, that's probably what happened. And Schefter's like, well, that guy knows Tom Brady. He's so-and-so. So Schefter reported it. And a lot of people are like, well, Schefter's wrong. I still said, I still don't think he is. Um, but his job is when you're an insider in the NFL, there's a handful of them. Uh, just to name a few, there's Ian Rappaport, Schefter, obviously. There's also guys like Jason Lake LaConfora, uh, just to name a few, Field Yates. Uh, he's been doing stuff like that. Um, we got, I'm just looking at a list here real quick. I'm on a little bit of a rabbit trail. Uh, but what I'm saying is there's more than just Schefter doing this. Uh, ESPN's got a few insiders that always break news. And when it comes to that business, you want to be the first person to report the story. Yes, you want to be right, but when it's cutthroat like that, you got to be first too. Uh, it doesn't matter if Schefter found out and then let's say, I don't know who, uh, let's say that Ian Rappaport dropped this story and Schefter had it and he's like, well, i got to make sure, sure that Tom Brady is actually retiring. Yeah, you do have to make sure. But at the same time, you have to drop the story before your rivals can get to the story too. And so there's a lot of stuff like that with these kind of stories. Uh, and Schefter's the one also who broke the Aaron Rodgers drama last year. And a lot of people think that was a bunch of hogwash. I think there's something in that story. Now, is it exactly how it was portrayed? I don't think so. But I do think there was something to the Aaron Rodgers saga last year. Uh, which we're not going to talk about Aaron Rodgers any more today than that. Uh, but like I said, I think there is smoke here, uh, and where there's smoke, there's fire. Uh, so my gut tells me that Tom Brady will officially announce his retirement in the next 
uh, month or so. Uh, and then on Sunday, speaking of uh, Tom Brady, uh, his former offense coordinator with the Patriots, uh, Josh McDaniels, uh, was hired as, or has reportedly been hired uh, by the Las Vegas Raiders as their next head coach. Uh, and I know a few minutes ago I just said that Brian Dable was my favorite hire uh, so far. Well, so far this one's my least favorite uh, for these teams. Uh, if you look at history, it's not on the Raiders' side. Uh, basically, Bill Belichick's coaching tree is not very good. Uh, if we're going to go through the list of head coaches uh, over the last 20 years or so uh, that have been uh, under Bill Belichick uh, with the Patriots. And we're just going to look at their head coaching record. Uh, first off, there's Romeo Crennel. Uh, he was with the Cleveland Browns uh, from 2005 to 2008. Uh, he had a 24-40 record. Uh, he's with the Chiefs in 2011-2012. He had a 4-15 record. And then when Bill O'Brien, who we'll get to in a little bit, uh, was fired from the Houston Texans in 2020, uh, Cornell took over and went 4-3. and three. Uh, So not really good numbers there for Cornell. But, okay, that's only one coach. Like, every coaching tree has one bad branch. All right, so let's look at the next part here. We got Eric Mangini. Uh, he coached the Jets from 2006 to 2008, went 23-25, and 25. Uh, and then went to Cleveland with the Browns in 2009-2010, went 10-22. and 22. So, again, two not great so far. Uh, next, Josh McDaniels. This is actually going to be his second head coaching gig. His first came in 2009-2010 with the Denver Broncos, where he went 11-17, and 17, uh, including, I believe he was the head coach when they drafted Tim Tebow, uh, which, to this day, I love Tim Tebow, but that draft decision just boggled my mind. Uh, even at the time, everyone's like, Tebow's not an NFL quarterback. Uh, so that's I'm going to put that on Josh McDaniels, too. I know he didn't draft him per se, but when you're drafting a quarterback, you're asking your head coach, hey, you want this guy? And if the head coach, who's an offensive mind, says, no way, Jose, that quarterback's not going to that team. Uh, next, we got Bill O'Brien, who... Actually, is the most successful out of all the coaches. Uh, he's with Houston from 2014 to 2020. Uh, had a 52-48 and 48 record. Uh, and Bill O'Brien, and we're going to get to this in a second, in a few minutes. Uh, his biggest downfall uh, was as the GM of the Texans, which we're going to talk about that in a minute here, like I said. Uh, next, we got Matt Patricia, who was with the Lions from 2018 to 2020. Uh, in that time, he had a 13-29-1 and and record, uh, which is even worse considering that the coach he replaced was Jim Caldwell, who in his last season went 9-7, and seven, uh, which the whole Jim Caldwell thing is a conversation for another day. Uh, but going from a coach who went 9-7 and seven to a coach who won 13 games in three years, uh, it's a huge step down. Uh, next, we got Brian Flores, who... I don't agree with his firing from the Dolphins, uh, but he coached with the Dolphins for uh, three seasons, went 24 and 25 in his time there. Like I said, I didn't necessarily agree with his firing, uh, but one of the reasons he was fired is because he cannot get along with people, and that's a quality that I've noticed with some of these uh, can or coaches uh, from the Belichick tree. Uh, one thing that 
and even at the executive positions with the GMs, which we'll talk about a couple of them in a minute, I've noticed, uh, obviously I'm not in the building or anything like that, but I've noticed from watching on the outside that a lot of these guys, they come from a system where Belichick's the guy. Uh, you go with what Belichick says, and that works for Belichick. Belichick can be whoever he wants because he has, he's won all those Super Bowls. He's considered one of the best coaches, if not the best coach of all time. Uh, so Belichick can get away with things that Matt Patricia cannot get away with, uh, that Brian Flores cannot get away with, that Bill O'Brien cannot get away with. Uh, and what these guys try to do, unfortunately, again, public perception. I'm not in these rooms, uh, so this might not be what happens, but media people who follow these teams say this is kind of what it feels like, is they don't try to be the best version of Matt Patricia or Josh McDaniels that they can be. They try to be the next Bill Belichick. And that never works. Uh, hope. And I was watching ESPN yesterday, uh, and the talking heads on ESPN feel like Josh McDaniels knows this now. He knows that he cannot be Bill Belichick and go to Oakland, or Las Vegas, excuse me. Uh, but time will tell. Uh, I just don't like this hire. Uh, and then finally, speaking of coaches from the Belichick tree, uh, we got Joe Judge, who I don't believe was the right choice when the Giants hired him a couple years ago, and that has nothing to do with the Belichick tree, shockingly. That's just, I didn't know a lot about a lot about him as a coach, and I did my research then, and I'm like, yeah, this isn't going to work out. Uh, he went 10-23 and 23 with the Giants in his short time there. Uh, so... Like I said, though, there's also a second side of this because the Raiders also hired a member of the Patriots' front office as their GM. Uh, they brought in Dave Ziegler uh, to be their GM. Uh, he came from the Patriots. And when I was doing research for this episode uh, over the last couple hours, I could easily find a list of coaches under under Belichick that went on to be head coaches. I could not find a list of former uh, Patriots executives to go into GM roles, so there's more than who I'm just going to talk about, but for the life of me, I could not find um, a list of this, these guys. Uh, so we're going to talk about three guys uh, that came from the Patriots uh, front office and became a GM of their own team. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about is Bill O'Brien. Uh, so, O'Brien technically wasn't part of the front office in New England, but when he got to Houston, he became uh, the GM after a couple of years with the Texans. Uh, the first move that we're going to talk about that uh, a head-scratcher is the DeAndre Hopkins trade. Uh, so, I understand why they traded Hopkins, because it was a salary cap situation. He wanted more money than the team was willing to pay for the cap, and I get that. Uh, but when they traded him, they got a second-round pick and David Johnson, who's a running back. Uh, running backs have a short shelf life, uh, and Johnson was coming off an injury. So you basically got a injur injured running back and a second-round pick for a really good receiver. You need to get a first-round pick out of him. Like, it's that simple. And to make things worse, the Texans did not have a first-round pick in that draft. So they needed a first-round pick from him, and they didn't get it. Uh, and that's just a huge mistake there on that trade. Again, I'm not 
bad talking the trade per se, just the return. Uh, the next deal here is getting offensive linemen uh, Laramie Tunzel and wide receiver Kenny Stills from the Dolphins. Uh, they gave Miami two first-round picks and a second-round pick for this. And another issue with this one here I have is they waited too long to sign Tunzel to an extension. And so not only did they give up two first-round picks for him, they could have easily uh, signed him, uh, given him an extension uh, for a more uh, club-friendly price, uh, but they waited, and the price went up, and they had to overpay for him. Uh, Laramie Tunzel's a solid offensive lineman. I would I would be okay for giving up a first-round pick for him, but two first and a second for Tunzel and Stills, that seems like a lot. Uh, and then, speaking of tr- bad trades, uh, they only got a third-round pick for Jadavian Clowney, and Clowney never lived up to the hype of the number one overall pick but he's better than a third-round pick. Uh, they should have at least gotten a second, possibly have asked for a first, but I wouldn't have gotten any lower than a second for uh, Clowney. Uh, and then finally, uh, Brock Osweiler signing. And I did the research here. I understand that O'Brien was not the GM when the Osweiler signing happened, uh, but, again, you don't bring a quarterback into your franchise if your head coach does not want him especially when it's an offensive-minded head coach, and that's what O'Brien is. Uh, So, clearly, O'Brien gave the okay for Brock Osweiler. Uh, And once that happens and they sign that contract, that's on the head coach too. Uh, And Osweiler only lasted one season, I believe, in Houston. Uh, It was a disaster all around. Uh, The other two GMs, uh, we won't talk about them as much, are Bob Quinn, who made some really interesting uh, draft decisions. Uh, my favorite, or I guess least favorite because I'm a Lions fan, is Tease Tabor, who is a cornerback. Uh, and that the year that he was drafted, even people in football at the time of the draft were like, what on earth are they doing? Uh, there was a lot of shock on that draft. And I understand nobody hits 100% in the draft. I understand that. But when the entire league is like, why are you taking that guy here? And then Tabor only lasted in Detroit for two years. Again, not everyone's going to pan out. But when you draft the guy and there's that many question marks and then he doesn't pan out, that just doesn't look good. That looks like you have no idea what you're doing. And I don't think he did. Uh, One thing I've noticed, uh, like I said with these guys, is especially with Quinn and Patricia, because I'm a Lions fan, so I saw it more with these guys uh, than I have with other guys because I don't follow the other Patriots close, coaches as close uh, than I did with Quinn and Patricia. Uh, but it felt like they were the smartest guys in the room and they knew it. And what I mean by that is they didn't listen to many people, it just felt like. They're like, you know what, this is what we're going to do and this is why. And... A little bit of a rabbit trail here, but that's why I love Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell because they're smart guys, don't get me wrong, and they have confidence in themselves. But they bounce off ideas off each other. They have meetings. They say, hey, what do you guys think? And everyone's allowed to give their input, and the input is actually considered. Not saying that they're going to go with the ideas, but they're going to at least discuss it. I never got that sense from the Quinn Patricia Lions era. 
Uh, and even if the way that they talk to the media, uh, Qu- Holmes and Campbell, hey, that's a good question, man. That's a really good question. And they'll be honest and open with the reporters. And with Patricia especially, I remember there was a time, I don't remember what the question was, but a reporter asked him a question, and he just sat there and laughed at him. Uh, again, smartest guy in the room, and he knows it. And I think that's a huge reason why these guys fail, because they just feel like they're smarter than everybody else because they came from the Patriots. Uh, and the last one uh, is Nick Casario, who was just hired by the Texans uh, in 2021. Uh, so the jury's still out on him. Uh, the biggest red flag I have with him is he has Jack Easterby on his staff still. Uh, and the, he's been with the Texans, Easterby has been, for a few years now. And there's people in the Texans building who are like, why is this guy here? Like, he knows nothing. Uh, and so when there's people in your own building that are like, what is this guy doing? That's a huge red flag for me. So let's get to some football now. Uh, this weekend was a really fun weekend for NFL football and really good games. Uh, the first game, uh, the Bengals beat the Chiefs 27-24 in overtime. Uh, we're going to talk about one key play for each game because we have already been here for 25 minutes. I don't want this to be a three-hour-long episode. Uh, so the one play for the chiefs Bengals game, uh, for me, that changed the game was the final play of the first half. The Chiefs had the ball uh, inside the five-yard line, uh, about to score a touchdown. Uh, they had no timeouts left, uh, which I'm okay with the going for it here. I'm okay with going for a touchdown. Uh, but here's what you're supposed to do in this spot. You do slants or you do fades or you do something that the receiver is going to be in the end zone. And if Mahomes doesn't see anybody open in three seconds, he throws that ball into the third row of the seats. That's how this play is supposed to go. And what they did, they did a bubble screen uh, to Tyreek Hill. And I understand they have the athletes in Kansas City, but that's just bad play calling. And I don't know who's responsible for that. I don't know if it's Mahomes and Tyreek was just supposed to be something to distract the defense. I have no idea, but that's just bad. And when it happened, I go, you know, that might cost them the game. And at the time, the Chiefs were up 21-3, to uh, but the Bengals held the Chiefs to three points the rest of the game. Uh, kudos to them, by the way. Uh, really good game plan. I've been questioning their offensive line all postseason, and I still question it, uh, but they keep on winning games. And at this point of the year, that's all that matters is uh, like the good old coach Jimmy V said in college basketball, survive and advance. And that's what they're doing right now. Uh, the Chiefs did win the coin toss in the overtime, which I figured they'd march down the field to get a touchdown because they are a high-powered offense. Yeah, they only scored three points in the second half, but, I mean, the game was on the line at this point now. Uh, but the Bengals were able to force an interception and march down the field and get a field goal to win the game. Uh, the second game was also a really good game. Uh, the Rams beat the 49ers 20-17. Uh, the play that changed this game for me was Stafford threw the ball down the field, and I didn't see any Rams receivers anywhere near this ball. And 49ers safety, uh, Tart, uh, dropped a sure interception. Uh, just dropped it. And the Rams ended up scoring on that possession, a field goal, which ended up being the game-winning field goal. Uh, 
after the Rams were able to pick off Jimmy Garoppolo uh, to seal the game, which could very well could be Garoppolo's last pa- pass with the 49ers. Uh, we'll get to that uh, in future episodes. Uh, we'll talk about the quarterback carousel that may or may not happen this offseason in the future. Um, but really good football games. Uh, should be a fun Super Bowl with the Rams and the Bengals. Uh, if you would ask me at the beginning of the season if I believed that the Rams and the Bengals would be in the Super Bowl, I said I could see the Rams there. Uh, Bengals, nope. They're not even making the playoffs. Uh, but yet, here we are. Uh, really good job by Zach Taylor and his staff. Uh, Zach Taylor is part of the Sean McVay coaching tree. Uh, and again, we'll get into all that. We have until February 13th is when the Super Bowl is. So we'll have all that time to talk about uh, the game and stuff like that. Uh, we'll have two YouTube episodes, uh, five podcasts before the Super Bowl. Uh, so lots of time to talk about that. Uh, and then finally, uh, because it is Monday, and at some point today we got to talk some hockey, right? Because hockey's the best. Like football, yeah, it's more fun to talk football, but hockey's my favorite sport. Uh, and so on Mondays we normally talk hockey, especially the Red Wings, uh, but lots of football stuff going on, uh, so we had to get all that in because there was a lot over the weekend. But let's give a quick update on the Red Wings. Uh, so this team uh, has been struggling uh, as of late. Uh, this past week is no exception to that. Uh, they went 1-2 and two this week. Uh, the two losses were really ugly. Uh, the first game they lost was... 8-5 to five, uh, Chicago against the Blackhawks, uh, including Chicago jumping out to a 4-0 lead. Uh, I will say this team showed some fight and clawed back. I uh, made a 4-3 in the second, uh, but just ran out of steam in Chicago, uh, ran away with the game in the third period. Uh, Nadelkovic started the game, allowed four goals in the first period before being pulled for Calvin Pickard. Uh, Grice is out with COVID right now, or is on the COVID list, I should say. And one concern that a lot of people had about Nadalkovich was, can he be the guy? Can he be the one goalie that you carry for an entire season where you start for five, six games in a row? And really up to this point in his career, he's never had to do that. And that's why there's questions with it. I still love Nadalkovich. I think it's a great trade for the Red Wings. Uh, but he does need a solid backup with him. And Thomas Christ brought that. Uh, and without Grice right now, uh, Nadalkovich has had to play a little bit more than he's used to, uh, which is showing. I think he's fatigued right now. Uh, I think that's a big part of what's going on here. Uh, so that was on Wednesday. On Friday, uh, Calvin Pickard got the start to give Nadalkovich the night off, uh, and the Red Wings never trailed in this game, uh, and they ended up winning in a shootout. Uh, the final score was 3-2. to two. Uh, Really solid game for uh, Pickard. And my favorite moment of the week in sports uh, was there was a little scrum after a whistle uh, with the Penguins and the Red Wings. And most Sider got into it with Crosby and stood his ground, threw some punches at him. Uh, anybody that punches Crosby is good in my books. Uh, but it's nice to see uh, this young defenseman for the Red Wings really step up uh, and use some physicality, not backing down from Crosby or anything like that. Uh, really good to see that um, and then finally on Saturday uh, the Red Wings lost to the Maple Leafs 7-4 to and this one hurts a little bit more than the Blackhawks game uh, because we were up 4-2 to going into the third period 
not sure exactly what happened. I'm be honest with you guys. I didn't watch this game. I was at a college hockey game that night. Uh, so I saw the score and I go, oh, that third period was ugly. Um, this really, ever since Christmas, this team has not been really that good. Uh, they've gone 4-10 and ten since the COVID break uh, around Christmas time. Uh, so not a really good stretch here for the Red Wings, but I figured this stretch was going to happen. Uh, I really hope that Blashill does not come back next year. Um, we'll see what happens there. And again, that's a conversation for a different day. But I'm not a fan of Blashill. Um, and I understand this is the first time in a while he's actually had some talent on the team. And this team is struggling right now. And I could see Blashill being let go here uh, by the end of the year. But again, we'll get into that conversation at a different time. Uh, thank you guys so much for checking out today's episode of Hardball Sports Talk, brought to you by Hardball Sports Media. Uh, if you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns, email the show at hardballsportstalk at gmail.com. Uh, also, you can now uh, send messages to the show. Uh, so I'll click the link in the description for that. Uh, the new podcast hosting pr- platform I'm using, uh, you can record and ask questions, comments on that. Uh, so knock yourself out, do that. Uh, you'll make it on the show. Uh, right now I'm not getting a whole lot of uh, responses, so anything will probably make it on the show unless you're vulgar or anything like that, or if it's not sports-related. Uh, but, you know, don't be afraid to record anything out there. Uh, if you guys have any questions or comments or any hot takes you guys have, uh, record them. Let's have a discussion here on the show. And then finally, uh, be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, and on Wednesday, we're going to be looking at the 2010 NFL Draft. Uh, so be sure to look out for that episode. I uh, thank you guys so much for checking today's episode out, and I hope you guys have a great day. Uh, we'll talk to you later.